Fifteen. If you're new to Best of Five, welcome. This is a weekly FTC talk show. We talk about fighting games. We talk about other things. We talk about the tournament leagues, the uh, pro Try tours. Try to keep it at least tangentially related to fighting games most of the time. We'll at least talk about fighting games for about 25% of it. Mostly more than that. Um, I'm your host, a friend. With me as always from the very beginning, Mike Donka Schiller, at Dust Donka on Twitter. And we are joined by none other than John Velociraptor Guerrero. He writes for eventhubs.com. That's hey, him everybody. right there. Hey, John, how you doing? Good. Feel, are, you, are you feeling better this week than last week? No, but, but let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve, Ace King Officer Jurek, with that winning smile and even more of a winning pose. He writes all those badass uh, schedules. Most of them, anyway. Anyway, guys. Uh, do you have like, a schedule rival? Is there anyone who sometimes puts nah, one out? He ran them all out of business for sure. There is no one on my level. <laughs> no one? Okay, <laughs> there we go. Because they should be working for. My dream is for Smash GG to implement ske- stream schedule implement uh, importing onto their website. Huh. Then I will be free. I will be done. If they do that, I will retire. But then, and you I know, be... all the followers that you've acquired over the years, Steve, what would you do with them? if they? Why would they come to you if there's no schedules? Yeah, no one wants that. I will sacrifice my clout. I will fall on that sword for the good of the FGC. I'm that kind of guy. Are you saying you would die by sword? Ah, I see what you did there. Die by sword is our 3-0 recipient for 2019. We're going to remind everybody that. Mm-hmm throughout the entire year until next year's besties. All right, guys, tonight on the show, we have a lot to talk about, and we also are very excited that we have our guest, our first guest of 2019, and that is none other than David, Ultra David Graham, DPG at Law. He's going to come on in the last 30 minutes of the show, and we're going to talk to him about some of these things that have been happening with Dragon Ball Fighters. Why is it not at tournaments? Is it the copyright holder? There actually isn't a succinct answer on that yet, but regardless, we're going to learn more about what's going on there, what are some of the potential pitfalls when you are a, say, a tournament organizer or a content creator. We're looking forward to that. Um, a few people have subscribed. Should we, should we talk about oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Who has subbed? Ilan, can you give us a heads up on who has subbed? I'm not ready for that. Uh, Gumball, we just saw dead. Gumball Dead. Gumball Dead. Jerry 92602. Jerry 92602. Space Dive. Mm, all Dead? I think that was it. Oh, that's Gumball dead. I saw it wrong. Yeah, those three. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you for the subs. Appreciate it very much. Steve, I don't see you clapping. There we go. Okay. And the dog wants to clap, too. So, again, we're going to be talking about that and other things. Um, topics for us, before we get to our guest, are, of course, a recap that Steve will lead here in a moment. We'll talk about the Dragon Ball game reveal. You guys finally got all your questions answered. I know John <laughs> was very excited about that. Ace, thank you very much for subbing. You don't get a clap. Um... Mortal Kombat 11 has their big reveal coming up this week on Thursday. I'm actually looking forward to that. Uh, and there's a couple other topics, including Justin's... I saw a video over the holiday break, uh, Justin Wong, on his YouTube channel, talking about basically reviewing, giving his pros and cons of how the CPT went in 2018. And there's some inter- interesting points that came up. We'll talk about that. You all excited? John, you I look real excited. I am stoked. Thrilled. Okay. All right, John is gone. So John will be joining us here uh, <laughs> later. And, but in the meantime, Steve, why don't you hit us with a recap? I think I can do that for you. Uh, there were a couple events that took place last week, even though we weren't able to get to them because of the besties. The big one was Cooperation Cup. 
the major annual team tournament for Street Fighter Three Third Strike out in Japan. Uh, it's actually two events. There's a pre-cooperation cup, which is pretty much entirely made up of single single character teams. So uh, Team Kenji, uh, which included Momochi, got the win in the pre-co-op cup, and they all rocked Yoon. Uh, you had a team of Ibuki players uh, in second, uh, and then you had Dud- Team Dudley, uh, Downtown Rocket Upper 2. One of my, I love the team names in these. Uh, and the Oman Empire Rock and Chun-Li, uh, they both made it to the semifinals. As for the main event itself, that was run one, excuse me, by Team Dream that included uh, Deshiken, Haitani, Issei, Kenzo, and Nuki, the third strike god, uh, taking it over Nishi Nipori versus. Uh, you also had, uh, I, I, I didn't get to see a whole lot of this, but it was nice to see a Remy in, in the uh, top four here, uh, Take running that Remy. So, uh, if you like Third Strike, this was certainly the event to check out. Hey, did, uh, did any of you guys play Third Strike, just really quick? I tried. That was one of those games where, like, when I first got into things seriously, I was like, okay, everyone's talking about Third Strike. I should play Third Strike. And then I realized I suck at Third Strike, so I stopped. I played a <laughs> decent amount only because it's the most popular game here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. So so I was watching Cooperation Cup and specifically Nuki and um and I and I even did a story on this where it, it looked like because because everyone always talks about Third Strike as like the golden standard for footsies and I think that's rightfully so um, where we're like it like the best player in the footsie matches would win and you could react to stuff and it really looked to me a lot like how Street Fighter Five is now with the reduction of the input lag and a lot of like the hurt and hitbox changes um, with the like. The big exception being that it, I think Street Fighter Five has moves that just immediately get you into someone's face without thinking, and I wondered if Third Strike had those. And I, I haven't seen them, but like I'm just trying to wrap my mind about the differences between There's, the two games as they stand right now. The big difference between Third Strike and a lot of other fighting games and what a lot of it boils down to and the reason things happen in that game is because you gain meter when you whiff moves. And so mm-hmm. a lot of why Yun and Chun are the best characters is because with Yun's medium punch and with Chun's back heavy punch, they have the best moves to whiff, to build meter with. So instead of kind of getting in for free, other characters are forced to get in to avoid Yun or Chun, who also have the best supers in the game, from getting a free super. Because if you never mm-hmm. attack Yun, he's going to get Ganajin, and then he's the best character in the game by a million, and he's gonna keep doing that over and over. So it's almost like he's zoning you, except yeah. he's running away and pressing medium punch instead of throwing a fireball. So that's why a lot of interaction happens, is to stop each other from gaining super. So it's kind of interesting, it's way different. Like instead of, and that forces footsies in a weird way. He wants to build meter, but he also wants to stop you from with punishing his medium punch. So it, it, it's interesting, it's very different. I'm, I ask because I'm kind of on this like, I. I the more you investigate these things, it feels like the more you don't really understand about everything. One of those, the more you know, the more you don't know. And I'm feeling like just helplessly lost in my understanding of, of Street Fighter right now with all <laughs> of the, 
And so, but, uh, you know, Third Strike being one of those staple games where, where you can certainly go back into the history books and learn a lot from it. It's something that I've been kind of looking at more and we just had Cooperation Cup. So thank you for... Uh, for it's a really, that. I mean, like, it is definitely like a, a solid footsie game. And if your footsies suck, you're going to lose because if your footsies suck, Chun's going to hit you with 60% off a medium kick. So mm-hmm. it, it does have a lot of similarities. I think it's more similar to Street Fighter V than Street Fighter Four was, or than mm-hmm. it is to Street Fighter Four. that's for sure. Zalbag Bolv, I don't think I've ever pronounced that name right, uh, has subbed <laughs> for 14 months in a row. Thank you. Apparently he doesn't care. Yeah, appreciate that. <laughs> um, okay, Steve, you were saying something. Right, right, but before you actually get back to that recap, the, it, I'm trying to place it in my memory here. <clears throat> Do I remember seeing a ton of like talk about, since Third Strike was getting so much attention, that it's like, hey guys, if you like your game and it's no longer like Ultra, hey, Ultra Revival in other games, um, was that the discussion that was being had on Twitter or am I making that up? Steve, do you remember? John, do you remember? So that recap, uh, KIT also happened. That's Kumite in Tennessee. Uh, what you got for us, Steve? Uh, yeah, that took place last weekend as well. Um, a whole bunch of games happening down there uh you see fame 96 had himself a nice weekend winning uh blaze blue tag spirogen taking it over uh cuddlecore in tekken which was a really nice uh result for him uh tweety holding it down in injustice thompson still doing the thing in ki uh dual kevin uh, the ma- that man has been hard to stop in Infinite. He's still uh, holding it down in that game. And Mick taking Soul Calibur six down there. So congratulations to all the champions. How are you not going to mention Austin's own Nigel, who won Street Fighter V? Well, because I knew you were going to do that. Yeah, it's so I, I left the door Nigel's open from Austin. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of like what you were kind of, I think, just talking about, Efren, you have all that list of old games and new games, but you know, even you know, Marvel vs. Capcom three and such, and I don't see a Street Fighter four on there, do I? Ooh, that's very well, sad. There was not a uh, Street Fighter. Very sad. It's kind of interesting. I feel like one thing about uh, Co-op Cup is that they really did a revival tournament right. People look so mm-hmm. forward to Co-op Cup every year. And it's like for a, for a week at least, people talk about Third Strike. People who don't play it think about it. People who do play it go back and play it who haven't played it in years. It's, it's definitely the golden standard for like keeping an old game relevant in the way it can. So shout outs to them. Um, and I fucking hate Third Strike. So. Who, who else was at KIT? I guess since it's not part of the CPT, although it never has been to my knowledge. Um, but I remember like when we went, there was like. Uh, you know, K-Brad was there, and Dew was there, and there was a bunch of big names. Did we have that kind of representation? Do you know if, uh, who was there? There are, I think, uh, Serpentaurus, who's a strong Latin American player, was there. He got second with Zeku. Um, I forget who he beat, but he beat someone notable on the tour this year. And then Art was there. But I think the unfortunate truth is being a January tournament at this point is, is going to be rough on your entry numbers. I, I mean, mean, it's just like you're not in the CPT you're coming off of almost every pro tour just ended. If people are going to Evo Japan, they're probably more focused on traveling for that than going to a tournament that's not on the pro tour in Tennessee. <laughs> but didn't more people go to, to KIT than I registered for? That Evo might Japan be true, right actually. So you might be right. But I mean, it's just being a January tournament's tough. And I think oh, they've absolutely. kind of. Yeah. 
And 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 even what we'll get into later with uh, what Justin is saying about the the pro tour with such a saturation of tournaments um, for the pros that are you know getting paid and it's obviously so much of the focus is on these tours like you were getting at that to not be on the tours now it feels like man there's already enough CPT events maybe too many as is we don't even have room to start having a conversation about the other ones so to see KIT do as well as it's doing especially with where it is in the year and the fact that it's not on the tour is still pretty encouraging because if you were to ask me without seeing the results for KIT saying you know here's a major that's going to be outside of the pro tours and outside of all this and in the middle or beginning of January I'd be like yeah no one's going to that so Yukiburi and Pedantic Sim have subbed to the channel. Thank you very much. All right, the last game on the recap. Is this the Winter Stays On finals, or what is this? Uh, yeah, this was uh, from this week, actually. The Winter Stays On Open. Uh, it's something they do out in the UK quite often. But this last week's uh, edition had a little t extra twist. It was in partnership with UYU, and the winner as such, would actually get sponsored out to Evo Japan by UIU. Hurricane won it. Uh, he, I don't believe, I'm not sure if he's unable to go or uh, it, what's, what's happening with that, but he, instead of taking the sponsorship, nominated Gesture Power, who got fourth uh, and uh, had a, a pretty decent run at uh, Gfinity. So Gesture Power is going to represent Europe and the UK uh, out in Evo Japan next month. So congratulations to him and best of luck. Is uh, Problem X not going? Uh, I I haven't looked at the list. I would be surprised if Problem X didn't go. Mm. Uh, but like I said, I haven't looked at a uh, finalized list or highlighted list of that uh, event. I will say, though, that entrants are up to almost 600 at, for Evo Japan. So and because registration that tweet for the, you put out. It could be. Uh, and registration is still open for another couple weeks. So that's free will again. It has to be free because of okay. the uh, Japanese gaming laws. So Quest Beer, fifteen months in a row. Shout outs. Okay, so then uh, we have our general topics now. Thank you for the recap, Steve. That was masterfully conducted. Masterfully recapped. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys want to talk about Mortal Kombat, Evil Japan, since we just talked about it, or Dragon Ball reveal, or should and should we save Justin's ideas for the CPT for last? Maybe we should slide into the, uh, we should segue into the Mortal Kombat, or not the Mortal Kombat, the Evil Japan stuff. Evil Japan yeah. stuff. So, Evil Japan prize money. Steve, what you got? Uh, well, today they announced the prizing for Evil Japan. Uh, the setup for Japanese tournaments has to be different because, like I said, Due to gaming laws, you can't have the standard winner gets a portion of everybody's entrant fee. Uh, so they have to supply a standard set of prize money. Uh, for the two big games, quote-unquote, uh, Street Fighter V and Tekken, the, those games will have a 3 million yen prize pool with... 50% of that going to the winner, so 1.5 million, uh, which works out to about 13,800 as of right now, right around 14K. Uh, the other four official games will each have a one point or a uh, one million dollar, one million yen prize pool, excuse me, uh, with the winner taking home 500,000 yen, so just over $4,500. Um, 
Okay. Any thoughts? Um, I mean, I like that the structure is a bit more progressive than we usually have. It goes down a little deeper. Um, You've been a big proponent of that for as long as I've known you, I think. I think, yeah. I mean, I've always thought that, like, you know, locals don't have to pay out to top 16 or anything like that. But when you're talking about tournaments this big, you're talking about sponsorships on the line, you're talking about things we're trying to get bigger and expand further, then this is just the right way to go. And I think that's mostly the opinion at this point. It's just how practical it is for them to do it and good that it's working out. Yeah, I've long wanted to get away from just top eight at big tournaments getting paid. You know, there's still that balance to find between making sure that the winner of a large tournament gets a significant amount to make it worth their while and having the runners up get enough to, you know, not, you know, hey, you made top eight at Evo. Here's a hundred bucks. Yeah, it's a lot easier, obviously, if you're getting paid $10 million to say, you know, first gets three and second gets two. And then, you know, people aren't that sad. But, yeah, it's tough when you spread it out too thin and then your top prize money is not enough. And then people make fun of you for that. So, as you said, it can be tricky. And and I think this is a good look for Evo Japan amidst, like, all the kind of negative news about it not having certain games in Dragon Ball Fighters and uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And then also that the numbers were so low coming off of earlier, well, well really, really early last year when, when the game, or when the, the first iteration finished and people were kind of upset like it was a good event but they had all like the gambling laws and the and the fact that um they were moving to a new city and there's a lot of speculation that uh there wouldn't be as many people there and so there's been a series of rain clouds over the event a little bit you know nothing nothing that's going to kill it or anything but it's been eh, not the best kind of news surrounding it and then now we get today's you know announcement of the uh, of the money and it's a it's a substantial amount and it's like people are like okay that's that's kind of good and for once it's not like a rain cloud kind of announcement coming out against this event because it is it is evo japan you know we would want to be excited and hyped for it and not just saying negative things about it and so I'm happy that, you know, at least this wasn't bad. If anything, a little bit good, you know, so it's a good look for the for the event. Yuns and Roses is saying in our chat saying the Dragon Ball Fighters is a side tournament. They have a lot of side tournaments. Like, but like it still doesn't mean that they're in the tournament. No, they're not. Just don't let Toy now. We should, we're prob- they're probably gonna get canceled now that you brought it up here. Hey <laughs> Yuns, if you can link to anything official, um, I don't know because I haven't seen anything uh that designates it about it being an official side tournament. Uh, Blaze Blue Central Fiction was just announced as an official side tournament uh, in the past 24 hours, and that will be part of the uh, Arc Revo Tour. It's already up there in the chat. So uh, speaking of Dragon Ball, and it's entering its next season in the game, and we're hoping to hear some news, and there was a big event Everybody was very excited to tune into and hear all the big reveals. John, how'd you feel? What were your takeaways about all the <laughs> questions you had answered? So, so it was last Thursday that Bandai Namco put out a tweet, said that we're going to do a live stream within all capital letters. Big news, big interviews, big reveals. And it was going to be for Xenoverse and for Dragon Ball Fighters. And so they start the event, or they start the, they have the, the, the lead guy for Xenoverse, and they have him talk first. And the whole chat, although, you know, take it with a grain of salt, it's the chat. 
but the whole chat just goes wins fighters wins fighters this is boring and they come out with you know like this is some new dlc content and whatnot and then they go and now our big thing there's this new dragon ball card game that's coming out and they talked about that for 10 minutes and and everyone was just like okay well we'll wait around for fighters um Hiroki, uh, is it Tomoko Hiroki? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. She comes on, and and they go, first question, are we getting any season two announcements? Which is what all of us were there for. Let's you know, 90% of the of the viewers were there for, and I think there were 30,000 people watching. And she goes, oh no, you're gonna have to wait for the World Tour finals. But we had a really good time at Evo. We're really happy about what's going on with the game, and we're gonna do some balance changes and. We're excited, and that was like it. And so, uh, so it kind of got a little bit debated by Bandai Namco. And and I will say that they've been pretty good with a lot of their stuff lately. They've been knocking out of the park with like multiple game releases. They've had some pretty cool reveals and such. But yesterday, I really felt duped, and I think a lot of people did as well because we were we kind of came for the fighters news, and there really wasn't fighters news. Um, outside of, and I think, uh, Elon, you mentioned, right, that they, um, they did reveal that they're going to support a second season, there will be more DLC characters, was there anything else, Elon, that you recall? Uh, that was it. They also announced a 5v1 mode in Xenoverse 2. I'm not asking about Xenoverse, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, exactly everyone, everyone... Look, that's that's what Bandai Namco was thinking everyone was asking about. They they did review a lot of stuff for that, but... When, when Dragon Ball Fighters came out, I happened to be at a GameStop... And there was somebody in the store returning Dragon Ball Fighters and saying, this is the worst Dragon Ball game I have ever played. I want my money back. And he wanted, you know, Xenoverse. Xenoverse. So I'm surprised that there was more people in the chat waiting to hear for Dragon Ball Fighters than for Xenoverse. Well, I think because it's had a very successful first year. And it's uh, like, like um, they said right there on the stream, this was the first time that we've made a, a, like a fighting game community um, game, like valid Dragon Ball game. You know, like we've had a million games before, but nothing has ever been, you know, like we've talked about before, on par with what the fighting game community standards are. It has been. It's got a ton of, of hype just because it's Dragon Ball. But then beyond that, you have like Goichi and, and Sonic Fox. And Sonic Fox getting player of the year. And no small part of that is because of his import, uh, his performances in Dragon Ball Fighters. Like Yipes and, and the hype and all this stuff that surrounds this game every time we watch it. It's been very, very successful. And like that's not to say that Xenoverse and all the other Dragon Ball games haven't been. But it's successful in a new way and into a new audience. And I think that's where a lot of the significant com significance comes from. Oh, uh, so uh, yeah, OG Geek actually uh, brought up a good point. They did announce the 2018 Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Fighters World Tour. Okay, so another year of no 2018. <laughs> they rolled the, when they started talking about <laughs> Dragon Ball Fighters. They just rolled the. The reveal trailer for the DBFC 2018 yeah. 2019 tour. Off on CEO, you know, and it's like CEO's back in June. Yeah, it's July. like the old trailer. So they announced the 2018 tour. They reminded well, us of it. It's just really oh, weird to me. Like, it's one thing when, like, with MVCI, for example, we were sitting there begging them for news, you know, what the hell's happening? And they give disappointing news or no news, and you're like, all right, makes sense. It's another thing when. They come out and they're like, we've got news, and then they don't have news. That well, makes man. no sense to me. I don't get why you would announce something that is almost guaranteed to disappoint. 
And as he said, she came out there as if she was going to disappoint. So, like, why announce it? People well, weren't even what... waiting for this. People were just waiting. People assumed that the announcements were going to come at the finals. So why? I don't get it. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they definitely use the attention that fighters is getting for Xenoverse. Hey, yeah, I guess game, that makes maybe, sense. Maybe, maybe a handful of you will actually care about this and that'll be good. But they, they definitely. Yeah, it was probably for the card game. You're right. There you go. And so, and it's like I get it, and it just it just felt really out of place for Bandai because they've been doing a pretty good job, and it's like if Capcom did this, we would be like, that's that's messed up, but we'd be like, ah, just it's just Tuesday on you know for Capcom, we're not all that surprised, but but for Bandai to do this, it was kind of and and um, I, I don't know, it's just it's fine. We're like a week or two away from the actual reveal, and I'm it's, sure they're gonna deliver there. It's it fine, but it's also. It's a really weird time for them because coming off all these tournaments, like, you know, now people think, oh, they're going to have their own tour and it's going to be fine and they'll be at events again. But Combo Breaker Pre-Reg DBFZ is like the eighth most entered game. It's behind other anime games that it was dominating and thought to have destroyed. It's behind Soul Calibur. It's behind games that are way older than it. Like... It's been hit by a lot of this weird news, and I think they have to do something about it soon. So, I mean, I hope whatever they announce at the finals is big. So why didn't they she, say more to come at the finals? Well, she essentially did. She said, you'll have to wait for the finals. And and I actually ran a story today because I went back after I was done with my salts and looked back over, and she did say um, that they are specifically working on they're they're looking at comeback mechanics and and it seemed like it sounded a little weird in the translation because this was all subtitles so it, it was kind of broken a little bit but what it what i garnered from it and this isn't official this is what she was just saying and, and it, anyways it looked like they're going to try to give more comeback factor to the game and and it's pretty common that you'll see you know if someone goes down three one uh in terms of characters they're not coming back most of the time in that game so they're looking at comeback factor and, uh, and they also said that they're currently doing a balance, although the game just got a balance patch in November, so that's interesting to me too. But, I mean, all, answer, all answers will be there, well, some of them will be there at least in a week or two when the, uh, the finals actually play out. Otter in our chat says, the game is just dry and boring. It's not even a marketing issue. I mean, there's something to be said there. I think that once you get past the excitement of the Cell, you know, intro and, ah, and, and like all that that represents, the game does get a little bit repetitive. Like I, I felt that personally watching, and I'm and I'm behind it. Like I like it, and I'm glad to see a Dragon Ball Z game, and I'm like super happy with the success of it. But I will admit that I'm starting to like kind of like nod off in my in my chair a couple of times watching, you know, for results and such. It does feel like it could use something. I don't know exactly what that something might be. Maybe it's just I don't want to see Bardock doing, you know, twenty minute animations every thirty seconds, which that doesn't even make sense. But you know what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, we'll see what they do with it. I'm, I'm excited. I, I'll keep it short, but I also think that's the problem. <laughs> I do think the game is kind of boring to watch. And I played it like pretty competitively for a while, and I still play it a bit. Like, But there's just too much cinematic, and it's not just Bardock. It's super dashing is functionally a cinematic for quite a while as it's going on. Unlike a lot of the games of its type, there's not a lot of intricate movement or obvious skill gap in what people do. You know, when you see a Magneto... And I, and I think this goes into a broader thing, which is I think the most loved games are the games where people are okay with the top tier, right? Like, if you think about Smash Melee, it's 
people are excited about Fox and Falco to this day. No one's like, oh, fuck another Fox. You know, they, they've gotten used to it. In Marvel 2, no one's sad about Magneto and Storm. They know Magneto and Storm are coming. In, in DBFZ, people are completely sick of the top tiers. And I think it's because they don't, even if they are skillful, which I think a lot of them are, they don't permeate that to the viewer. I, I, I'm not 100% with you on that, because let me ask you this. When's the last time Melee got patched? When's the last time Mar When's the last time Marvel 2 got patched? Exactly, but I'm saying there's plenty it's of old not... games that people don't play and that weren't patched where the top tiers were hated. But here's the thing. Everyone who hated the idea of the top tiers in Marvel 2, they've moved on to other games because they know that the way Marvel 2 is is the way Marvel 2 is. That can't change. That won't change. Same with Melee. Same with every other classic game out there. Now, in the era of the patch, in the era of the update, the era of the hotfix, those pe people complain or they they say what they want to see because there's a chance of it actually happening. The, the, it's not just, okay, this is never going to change. I'm going to walk away. This is, okay, this can be changed. Let's see if they'll actually listen to us and change it. So I think it's 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 not an apples to apples comparison. Sure, no, it's the, not. The but I think as people are, are mentioning, I mean, like, there are characters in those games that people do hate, like Jigglypuff and Melee. And there are old games that stop being popular because of that back in the day. So I do think it's relevant, but I understand where you're coming from. I mean, yeah. I had a friend post um, from the, he was playing Super Turbo, I, I believe it was on the anniversary collection, doesn't really matter. And he posted, um, his, his name's Fromo for those that uh, that care. He posted a, a match of him versus a Dalson player, I guess it was online, uh, and he won in like six seconds. He did, he got a jump in over a fireball and that stunned and then he did one more combo and it killed him. It, it might've even been shorter than six seconds. And all the comments and, and the reactions were, that's hilarious, that's so cool, ST is great. And then I was thinking, if this happened in any modern day fighting game, people would just laugh at this and say, get out of here. Oh now, yeah, the community's changed a lot. Other things that can happen in old games like ST. But that's just another, you know, uh, another arrow pointing to the how the expectations, the rubric, the standards have changed. Not a bad thing, it's just, it is what it is. And Dragon Ball Fighters has to deal with the 2018-2019 FGC, and Street Fighter 2 doesn't. There's, I'm going to move us on, guys, if that's all right with you. Yeah, let's um, yeah. There's a topic that's not on our rundown that I just remembered I really wanted to bring up. This is an important one. Has is to do, it? has to do with my friend, John Velociraptor Guerrero, an What's article up? he wrote about Ken. Oh, we're talking about that? <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Um, our boy John, you love him, you know him, here from Best of Five and from his articles on Venthubs, wrote a piece about how <clears throat> Ken players of note are big, dumb, whiny babies because his buddy, <laughs> who is an online warrior, is making him work. Did I get that right? Yes, 100% to the T. It's exactly what I said. Speaking of to the T, um, there was a response from Chris T uh, about, <laughs> about this article. With screen grabs, uh, including other notable Ken players, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Big Bird and uh, Momochi were also uh, piping up on this. I don't know if Momochi said anything, but Chris T immediately brought him into the conversation. Yeah, I, I'm gonna Christy quoting Japanese players is, is always a questionable. Um, <laughs> variability but yeah i mean we talked about him and his responses with the uh the whole 
CPT times and such. And like, yeah, Fudo says it too. Uh, let's let's just break this down really quickly. Um, I wrote an article where Mocha Latte, who's an, an Arizona player and the most patient footsies neutral player I have ever played, bar none. Very thoughtful, maybe not the best. And then Chris T is an almost top eighter at Capcom Cup. Uh, he, he's the best Ken player in the world right now, as far as I'm concerned. Um, nothing from him. But he's also a whiny baby on Twitter, which I've said a million times. That article was a response from me as a, as a friend, but like friends jab each other in the ribs from time to time, um, saying, I disagree with the way you conduct yourself on social media because you you influence people and you influence the way people think. And if, if you're just going to whine every single time about your character, like every time he opens his mouth about Ken, it's like, oh, Ken needs this, Capcom screwed Ken. It's like, yeah, everybody's screwed. Like if you're not a top tier, it sucks. But like don't conduct yourself like that because you're setting a bad example. Anyways, that was a playful jab at, at him and, and any other Ken players that might whine like that. I don't follow them enough to know all of them. Um, but essentially what the uh, the video was, um, was Mocha, and the, uh, the only thing that Mocha said in the video in, pertain in pertinence to what these other Ken players might be saying and how they conduct themselves is some Ken players, you know, aren't, you know, they don't think Ken's very good, and, and I disagree with that, and here's why. And he showed Ken's buffs, and he showed the applications, and he showed how V-Trigger 2 can actually be good as a footsie-confirmed tool that leads into Oki and why that's good. Um, I've also spoken with him actually today about the things that Ken needs and 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 the parts of his gameplay that kind of suck still, uh, but I mean that's a, that's its own thing. Anyways, uh, it was a playful jab. It wasn't the most professional of things, but it's like it's whatever. And actually, I got a I got <laughs> Driftwood called me, Brent messaged me, a whole bunch of people like, dude, what are you doing? You can't be going in on like this. And and I'm like. Oh, and I started to second guess myself. I started to think, oh my gosh, maybe this was a really big mistake. So I reached out to Chris and a few hours later, he comes back to me and he's like, dude, you don't have to, we're cool. We're old friends. It's all good. Enjoy all the Twitter hate that you're probably going to get <laughs> for this. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's all good. It's whatever. And and so he and I are fine. Everybody else is like the world's on fire, but, <laughs> but it was just, it was, it was a good time. And I stand by what I said there. I think they're all, you know, he's being a whiny bitch, but we're still cool. <laughs> all right, no. I mean, how many times have I said that on this show? Several, quite a few. Yeah. Steve does not approve. He's shaking his no. head over there. I, again, this goes back to the era that we're in. You know, we people can want to see the game get balanced and get changed and get fixed because it's far more feasible now than it was 10, 15 years ago to implement these changes, to implement these patches. So it used to be the game you had in front of you was the game. That's not the case anymore. So, so writing people for saying what they want to see changed, what updates, what uh, balance changes they'd like to see. I don't really think that it's as big of a deal as some people are making it out to be. Steve, don't you understand like how hard it is to get clicks on a website? Do I have to remind you how difficult it is? You need to stir uh, we, the pot every once in a while. We 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 can talk about that. I, I'll if we have one of those days um, where we have like no topics and thirty five <laughs> minutes to kill, I will gladly go in on like some of the lessons I've learned uh, from my writing days on that topic. I think that uh, we don't have to keep going on about this, but I'll, I'll say that. Um, First of all, Steve's right in that what we just talked about, it is the era of the ever-changing games, and so to ask for changes, uh, that's totally fine. 
but to to be a whiny bitch about asking for changes <laughs> that's where i take issue again um but but yeah like uh, at the end of the day i it's all good um at least on my end and um and i hope ken gets nerfed <laughs> <laughs> same <laughs> all right we're gonna move on what i want to like to talk about is uh before we get to the main topic before we bring on ultra david is uh the mortal Kombat reveal i'm actually pretty excited uh, I've always been a fan of the Mortal Kombat games since back in the day. I remember uh, going over to my friend's house because he had the Sega Genesis version of it. Uh, I remember when it came out on Super Nintendo. My bros would play this all the time. It's just like, it's like in the same way to a degree that I like Star Wars, I like Mortal Kombat. It feels like a part of my life, part of my childhood. No way. Oh, you don't like Mortal Kombat suck that and you think they're good. <laughs> oh, wait, what? I just regret what you Finish just said. Finish it. Yeah, I know, right? Um, Finish it. So on Thursday, there's a reveal. Speaking of uh, promoting a reveal event, these guys have said you're going to have your first hands-on uh, footage of the game. We're going to reveal the story. We're going to have some more characters. We're going to do all kinds of cool shit. John is going to keep joining us here. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to it. There is some art that's come out. It's pretty neat. Check that out. That's Scorpion. It, the game looks really looks like good. Scorpion. The only thing better than the visuals are, is, is the music. <laughs> The music was hot garbage. I'm disappointed. Well, it's weird. I mean, like, they, I guess they're trying because, like, most NRS games, like, as far as I understand, don't have music at all. Like, sometimes there's like a couple ambient, like, shrieks. No, and, like, no, 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 no. There's classic Mortal Kombat jams from previous oh, games. Oh, what? You got, whoa, not whoa, an whoa. X or nine or Injustice one or two. That's for sure. Well, you might be right on those, but I mean, I can think of da 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 Come on, dude. One, but Come that's on. like the only one anyone can think <laughs> the of. The techno, let's all do ecstasy together uh, music <laughs> that everyone loves. It's like the Reptile one song. It's the only the Mortal Kombat song. <laughs> I have some reason. actual somewhat breaking news. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah? Uh, this, is this is courtesy of Blue, who pointed that out to us. Uh, Body Count Fighting. Uh, they announced just before we went on air uh, that... To, on Thursday, they will have some Mortal Kombat 11 matches. Oh, that's on fun. Uh, the card they have announced so far includes Hayate versus Honeybee, Tweety versus Dragon returning to uh, the scene, Gur versus Scar, and Rewind versus Sonic Fox. So, and that Sounds is like a stacked lineup. It should be. I don't know if there is going to be more matches, but that they don't will need be more than that. Well, uh, yeah. That, so that starts uh, two or three forty-five Eastern, twelve uh, forty-five PM Pacific, on Twitch.tv slash NetherRealm. That is this coming Thursday. Sweet. Show them the rating. There he is. Somebody was pointing out on the uh, Mortal Kombat subreddit that uh, these red accents on their costumes are probably not actual details of the costume, but they're like, uh, you can like do some kind of like team or clan or some bullshit. I can't wait to find out. Thanks. Would you make a clan? Yeah, dude. Oh, best of five. Be a good one. Bob. Um, what is the best of five I guess just, I mean, are, the best of five cards are like basically just reuse cards, right? Or it's like, I guess that's it, really. I think so. Well, we'll see. Maybe if one day we redesign, um, might have new colors. All right, uh, that's it for Mortal Kombat. Let's talk about, um, and I have an update from Ultra David. He is heading over to James's house early so that he can be on Skype for our show. Wow. And he says it's raining and that he's trying his best. Let's hope him, Let's hope for the best that he doesn't, uh, you know, get into any issues. He should have said rain. he has jury duty, but he's trying to get out of it. 
They never pick lawyers for jury duty. That's the joke. Um, so we're looking forward to that. But it'll likely be about 20 minutes from now when we bring them on. All right. Justin's ideas for the CBT. This is a, this is a, um, a video that he posted on his YouTube channel wherein he goes over his pros and cons. I think, John, you pointed out he had two quick little pros and five mm -hmm. very long, drawn-out cons. Um, and we're going to go down through some of them. First of all, why should we care? Justin Wong is one of the most storied fighting game players of all time. He's a pillar of our community. He's been in it longer than most. And if he has opinion on it, we should probably give a shit. Um, or at least hear him out. Somebody is unmuted over there. You hearing yourself? You're hearing me over there? I heard you a little bit. I oh. hear you. Justin's ideas for the CPT. Um, pros, more money in it, more places getting uh, um, uh, the, a light shined on them, which is great. Uh, we get to meet more players from around the world. You, who wants to take on the cons? I can go down them, but I'd rather I mean, toss it I up mean, to you guys. I, I want to preface this, though, with, yeah, it, the Pro Tour is not perfect. And, and we've... I mean, with this show, we've been covering the majority of the Pro Tour as we know it now with Street Fighter V and, and, and what it has become, you know, in this most recent kind of chapter. Um, and so there are going to be problems. And like most recently, we talked about like the, the Latin American finals and the visa issues and such. And I think Justin addressed that as well, that we should have those kinds of events earlier so that players can be ready um, so that we don't have the same instances where people aren't able to actually attend Capcom Cup despite qualifying. Uh, but I, I also think that this is something that will, with time, have ironed, you know, have the kinks ironed out and such, and that it's just a matter of time before you know things become more and more perfect. But this is exactly what we need: is a highlight of like this didn't work and this didn't work, and make sure that Capcom knows that it didn't work from their perspective and from ours, so that these kind of changes can be implemented as fast as possible. You know, he was uh, joking. He's like, hey, Capcom, you should hire me to help you with this. Um, all right, so what were some of these cons? I'll start off with one of the ones that stood out to me because I remember being upset that uh, Latin America not only got shafted in prize pools and amounts of uh, um, substantive tournaments that happened in their area or in their region, but also that some of the players who won late in the season didn't have enough time to get um, a passport. So it was pretty straightforward uh, recommendation. Do the Latin American events earlier in the tournament year <clears throat> in the Pro Tour season so that if and when somebody wins a premier event or gets enough points or any of that, uh, they have plenty of time to get the... That's a semi-pragmatic solution. I don't disagree with it. I think the more important thing is that they actually figure out a way to get the money and premier events in the first place, mm -hmm. which is something they did not have last season. So, so get it out of Brazil. I care a lot more about their finals having money and them having premieres at all than I do about putting them earlier so that people can maybe get a jump start on a visa, which wasn't Capcom's fault. But, I mean, it might be helpful. I'm not going to say it's a bad idea. So Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's you're, you're putting players in a situation where they have to scramble. You've got, if you're a player down there, you know, the visa process is not exactly cheap. So you can't really expect yeah. 10, 12 players in an area where you don't have much and you don't have major sponsors there uh, as you have in North America or Europe or in Asia to help with that. Uh, you can't really ask them to apply for the visa beforehand. So mm -hmm. they have to wait until they know whether or not they need it. And 
You know, the other idea I've had floating around, uh, I've heard floating around, have uh, Capcom Cup outside of the United States. You know, we've almost every year, and it's not just Capcom Cup, we've had seen idea, this me. issue. We've seen this issue with uh, uh, the Mortal Kombat X Finals uh, back when that was partnered with ESL, uh, where Russian players couldn't get in, where some Latin American players couldn't get the visa in time. You know, maybe rotate, you know, it's a global final. Let's treat it like a global final. Maybe one year the finals are in Asia. Maybe it's in Europe. Maybe it's in the Middle East one year. Maybe maybe it's in South America, North America. You know, it doesn't always have to be a U.S. thing. I understand that it's Capcom USA's baby, more or less, and having it right on their doorstep makes a lot of sense. But as a fan, I would like to see it. Uh, make that trip around the world. Any other thoughts there on um, where and when? Is there some other points? Um, I'd like I think to it's get... valid to move it outside the country. Yeah, and, and this is something that I think we've discussed. And it has to do with the topic of saturation of events, and he basically said we need to have less events yep. in, in yes. the CPT, officially on the CPT. Yep. And he had a lot of valid reasons um, to back that up. You know, earlier we were talking about KIT, um, and it being in this kind of dead part of the year, not being part of the CPT, and That's that a good hurts it. Um, but what happens if you have a bunch more events that are not in it? Uh, do people only go to the CPT events? That's assuming you're a You're going to kill them. Anyway. No, you're right. I mean, you really are. You're going to take some events, and you're going to throttle them badly. And it's a little worrisome, especially because some of these events get planned a year in advance, and then they hear they're not on the CPT and they get absolutely hammered. That happened to a Texas event within the last couple of years. And it's it, it's really tough for them. But, I mean, it's going to come down to the point where we have this CPT. We're not going to get rid of it. It needs to be less. Hopefully they can let these people know early enough that they're not going to be on it so that they can account for it. Or early enough that they and are they on it. And they just quietly so bow out? <clears throat> they don't have to bow out. They can try to run it. But, I mean, you're right. Like, it will drastically affect the way people attend those events and that uh, kind of sucks is... but it also i'm sorry john doesn't that also kind of like uh shake out uh what the actual market for it is right it's like if it's not part of the cpt and nobody goes to your event we didn't need your event well, well here's we saw the... kit very successful just you know last weekend and that wasn't part of it would you say very successful? I mean, maybe uh, locally, and then it turns into maybe a more of a hyper-local or regional thing for these tournaments. It's become a regional, but, I mean, that's not inherently bad. I loved regionals. It's one of the things I miss most about my early fighting game community is having that ladder from my local to my regional to going to... I mean, when I started playing, there was, like, five majors. You know, there was, like, final round, there was EVO... There was then UFGT, which was kind of a hyper-regional more than it was a super major. I'm kind of afraid. There was SCR and NCR, and th that was really the big ones. You know, Texas CEO Showdown, you wouldn't count that? Start. Texas Showdown, well, Texas Showdown was kind of in the dark years when I started. You're right. Good point. So, yeah. So, I mean, there was, like, there was like five huge tournaments that people went to around the country. Maybe, like, CEO started, and then he started flying out Daigo, and that was a big deal. But there weren't a lot of huge tournaments, and regionals were a big thing. And there was a much easier stepping ladder up to the top. Now you go to your your local Texas showdown, and it's all point snipers from around the globe kicking your ass. So, I mean, it's things have changed a lot. 
and I think it's harder to get into the game and kind of progress. But John, I know you have some more things that you want to mention about this topic in particular, or this specific uh, angle of this topic, but just out of curiosity, gut check, blocker grab on less events in the CPT. I'm just going to... I'm grabbing. I still think there need to be a lot. Way less. I would go way less. Uh, I'll grab on that, John. Grab. Steve? I... I if motherfucker. For the... Yeah, for the pro tour aspect of it, you got to grab it because fewer events would make it a better tour. Mm -hmm. But this is where you have Capcom, the pro tour organizer, and Capcom, the game promoter, the publisher, because they have to, their goal is to make Street Fighter's input or imprint as big as possible. You know, and if you have a CPT event in Peru and in Brazil and in pretty much every country, you have players in every country who want to be a part of that tour, who who work towards being part of the CPT. That's good for the brand. It makes it a worse pro tour, but it's better for the overall health for the game. John, did you have anything else you wanted to add to this? I'm just I'm pretty intimidated as I look to what the future might hold for all of this because you know while Stu makes a good point and I think that Capcom's going to continue to try to get I mean basically as many events out there as they can if it's going to benefit them more but I think it is hurting uh, at least certain parts of the competitive scene we've talked about this before where it feels like people aren't as maybe as excited or there's just this this surplus of events where it kind of brings the the overall weight and the meaning of a lot of them down compared to what it used to be. And and I don't know if the answer is just like, what if the pro tour was like 10 events long or something like that? And those events are like, oh, oh it's a pro tour event. It's a really big deal. Obviously that would, that would shift attention and, and gravity to the, to, to the tournaments. But at the same time, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a pretty intricate jig, jigsaw puzzle that I do not know how to fix right now. And I think, again, it's, it's just a time thing. We'll see how things, you know, the balance will go back and forth and eventually things will settle on, on what's hopefully something that we can digest on all different fronts, whether you're a competitor or you're just a casual, whether you're Capcom or whether you're the community. Uh, but, but yeah, there, there are a lot of moving parts and I don't know where most of them are supposed to go at this point. I just know that it's felt like it's been something of a shock or maybe the opposite of a shock with all of these events because people are kind of just losing some. It's starting to feel a little bit numb um, where it didn't used to be, and it's a little bit scary to me. All right, um, and I'll invite people to go and check out that video if you haven't already. He has other points, but the last one that we're going to talk about is the last chance qualifier should be its own event, and I think he was his main gripe was that it's not fair for, I guess in this case it was um, Phenom. Phenom that he didn't get the opportunity to practice for that guy, right? Whereas um, if you do it a week prior or whatever, then he has the same opportunity as everybody else uh, to, to train up for his first opponent. Thoughts? I, I think mean, I understand won. where he's coming from. I think it's worked well and it's worked. I, I, I thought it was pretty hype, at least for Tekken when they did it. I remember it being hype last year for Street Fighter. Um, with Memo and he won. I mean, it's to me, it's preference. That's all I have on it, John. What's the so so the the answer would be to have it what like a week or a month or what earlier? Week or two uh, before I would uh, assume. Yeah. I mean, I guess 
but and and I and Capcom Cup can definitely hold its own if you didn't have the LCQ as the beginning part of it. But man, the LCQ like that in a lot of ways kind of buffers up the events or the rest of the events because um, it's always super hype. People are excited, and it's not like it's a nobody tournament. You know, you think of like, oh well, these aren't the guys that were the top 32. It's like, yeah, but last year that was like Nemo and Infiltration in grand finals. This year it was. Um, you know, some uh, up-and-comers from, from the U.S. and such. It was a very, very exciting tournament. Um, and uh, so, like, I think it really, really yeah, I like works it. Yeah, in I the slot it that it's in right now. Um, I guess we could try it, uh, like, two weeks prior. But, I, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a professional player, you're going into events all year long where you don't know who your opponent is going to be. You have an idea of who they might be based on the, on the you know, the roster of, of players that have registered and such. But it's like... That's not the worst thing in the world. It's like, sure, I mean, it's it's the luck of the draw. And it's, and it's like, if you don't want to be that, then <laughs> win more or win slightly less points. I don't know. But I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I don't think it's something, it's like a hill to die on. And, and I mean, it ends the brakes, man, as far as I can tell. I, if, if I were in Phenom's position, that's what I should do. I should put myself, and we should all be, we put ourselves in that position. It's like, I might be getting someone brand new. It's like, yeah, but you're also getting someone that, didn't qualify for Capcom Cup, you know? So it's like, you might, you, you could argue that you have it easier than everybody else because you have but, someone that wasn't able to qualify. It's like, but, but that, he they did might win, not right? Be, yeah, he, he won, but they might not be in, be, not because of a lack of talent, but a, a lack of opportunity. Yeah. It might be someone who doesn't travel. Sure. I yeah. have a super, super esports solution to this. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is going to be one of those things that everyone's going to hate until it actually happens. And then everyone loves it. You do the last chance qualifier on Friday night. You have group play on Saturday, but on Friday night after the LCQ, you have a draw similar to the world cup. All third, the 32 players are, di- are uh, broken up into four different pots each pot has like the top seeds, the American and South American players, the European players. You divvy it up like that. You draw one player from each pot. That's your group. They play in a round robin the next day. Then you do your top eight or top 16. So if they announce that, everyone will hate it until it, they actually run it through, run it through, and then it will be the greatest thing ever. Capcom? Sure. Give it a shot. Um, we're going to start to dovetail out of our general segments. I have one more topic for you guys that we haven't actually talked about. Um, we've talked about reveals, disappointing reveals. We've talked about uh, well-planned and uh, exciting reveals like the one coming up this week. What do we know about characters for Street Fighter Five this season? <laughs> what the hell's going on? They, they announced it all during the, uh, the Bamco event. Oh, yeah? Is that what happened? Yeah. They're all going into Xenoverse. Man, we're gonna so, get Gogeta for Street Fighter Five. <laughs> That'd be sick. We're gonna get three forms of Goku. <laughs> Man, so so last year with Capcom Cup and the reveal, I think that was easily the best announcement slash reveal that Street Fighter Five or that Capcom has done with Street Fighter V. It was a grand slam. It had us all talking. It had us all excited for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, there was a plethora of content. I get that you're probably not going to recreate such a thing as like a whole game transition that we had from vanilla to AE. But we went from that to, 
You get a balance patch, which is great. You get Kage, a brand new character in essentially Evil Ryu, which is a character a lot of people wanted, which is great. Capcom drops the ball by accidentally leaking it themselves two hours early, but that's its own thing. And then the little tag, oh, by the way, no season pass anymore, even though that's all you've known for the entirety of this game's life, and more details to come. And, I, and there might have been a soon in there, but that's completely relative, and we have not set, heard anything since. And we, we sit here, we, t we twiddle our thumbs immediately. Um, like, the Event Hub's team, a couple people brought up, like, maybe they're in, like, dire straits, and they're just they're done with Street Fighter V, and they're just going to kind of let things fizzle away and, and have a few characters released. Maybe they're switching over to the more MOBA-style release things where, where it's just play, a new character. Kind of every, yeah, yeah free-to-play. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, but but to, to change things like this and to have almost no communication about it after you've basically trained the community, it's like, here's how things work. Now we're turning it on our heads and we're not telling you anything about it. I mean, wh what do you you can speculate on it? You can you can you wonder, like, maybe it means we're going to have a whole bunch of characters. Maybe it means eight. Maybe it means we're only going to have four uh, but but to leave your community in the dark like this, I think, is a really dumb move. And I thought we had made so much progress from the Capcom that was playing catch up and not communicating, of, you know, 2016 and kind of 2017. Um, you know, like I said, grand slam at the at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, and then here we are back to just just hang out. Well, something's coming, maybe. Just wait. And, and it's like, man, like how long are we going to do this? How long are we going to keep doing this? It's 20, probably about uh, another year. Well, yeah, and it and it's like again, in the in the age of like, look at what Mortal Kombat's doing. They reveal their game, and hey, it didn't get leaked. That's pretty cool. And then it's like, and and then here's the next date for more information. And then here's the data, and then the release isn't even. And they're that building anticipation, away. and it's exciting, and they're teasing us a little bit here and there. Exactly, and 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 you don't even have to do it as good as Nether Realm is doing it, but you can you can pay half attention to it and do a better job than Capcom is right now. And they've done a better job in the past. So I see this, and it's kind of disheartening, and it makes me not really want to play the game right now. I haven't played the game in like a week. Yeah, um, and, and, and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's like, I don't know, man. It's, it's You as a developer, as a producer of these games, you have to have a relationship with your community now. It's just the way things work. Steve. With the way that things develop and, and, and such and, and stuff comes out with DLC, you know, in chapters and whatnot, to, to do it this way doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Here comes and, Steve with uh, a hot counterpoint to you. John. Yeah, see the hot counterpoint. <laughs> oh, the hot counterpoint self-destroyed. You're muted. You knucklehead. Did you do that on purpose? Damn it. He's Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To be fair, oh, I thought I muted myself again. No. It is much easier to tease out content when you have basically an entire game's worth of content to. Okay, to fine. Versus, you know, one, three or four characters. All right, copy. I'm gonna I'm gonna end this topic and I'm gonna ask you to set one thing up for us, Steve, and then I'm gonna say bye to you, gentlemen, because we had to bring on Ultra David. One of the, this isn't the main reason we're going to talk to David, uh, but one of the things that you guys wanted me to bring up to him is um, the legality around uh, somebody else streams something and then you beat them to uploading it to YouTube and get all their views. That's a recurring issue in the FTC and certainly in other um, mediums. But uh, could you set up for me, Steve, what happened recently or what people have been talking about? 
Uh, yeah, one of Nee's videos, uh, Nee streams, uh, got uploaded to YouTube. Uh, it was by someone who wasn't Nee. A uh, couple players reached out to him, said, hey, take it down. And this person responded that, hey, you know, Nee gave me permission when Nee certainly did not give them permission to do so. And we've seen this before. There are a few uh, accounts out there that we all know that may, the bulk of their views come from uploading tournament matches, uploading uh, things like this to to YouTube before the content producers get a chance to. Uh, I remember talking about it last year with uh, uh, with uh, Furby with Arturo. He he get, he blew up about it. Um, so this is some. What can we do to address this? How can it be addressed? Uh, that sort of thing. Well, who knows? But you know, it's funny because we're talking about the uh, the owner of the property having rights overall. Then the tournament organizer who is, or, or the broadcaster, in this case, like a 10-0, having rights over that. And then, like, a player of the game. I mean, it's like, who really, at the end of the day, has rights to any of it? Knee probably doesn't either. Um, but certainly not some other jerk who's taking it from Knee. Um, especially if Knee has, like, you know, vested interest in, or is making, uh, you know, money on that. Anyway, we'll bring this up to Ultra David and more. In the meantime, we're going to say bye to our illustrious co-hosts. John Velociraptor Guerrero, he writes for EventHubs.com. You got anything that we should look at right now? No. <laughs> I just posted a Gamer Bee interview. Go check that out. It was from Capcom Cup. He's the sweetest guy in the world. And it talks about how his life kind of changed or didn't change after that epic Evo 2015 finish. Sweet. Steve, Ace King Offsuit Jurek, you got any uh, schedules that you're posting soon? <laughs> uh, yeah, you should, uh, you should see a schedule for Frosty Fostings in the next couple days. Play it. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to bring on Ultra David. He has made it to James's house. Great. I believe, Elon, that uh, he's not sure uh, what... Uh, we might actually have James Chen's uh, Skype handle in our, in our uh, little black book in there. So look for him or David and figure it out. In the meantime, if Devor's in the game, do you play it or not? I'm going to try Mortal Kombat 11. I played Mortal Kombat X. I went to a couple tournaments for it for a few months. You put out a Devora Tech video, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I invented Devora Tech. A lot <laughs> really? of it. And Mr. that's Humble not, about there's timestamps on a lot of that. Anyhow. <laughs> um, unlike Injustice, which I invariably hate, um, I actually liked MKX. Um, I don't really remember why I stopped playing, but I think I just liked another game more. Did another game, another game came out? Um, what character needs to be in Mortal Kombat 11 for you to be like instant buy? Oh, I don't know. I always thought that Striker was a really funny Hell character because yeah, he's, he's just like a dumb cop. He's a cop. And I think <laughs> everyone just likes beating up on him. So like, I think that's funny. I hope they put Striker in the game and he just looks like a cop. Certainly, as a lawyer, a future lawyer, you're not advocating violence towards law officers. I don't advocate anything. <laughs> Um, for me, it's uh, Frost. Do you remember? She was in one of like it's like Mortal Kombat Deception or one of these older games. It was like a female Sub-Zero. They have a lot of characters that weren't in X that they could bring back that people would be excited for. Noob Cybot's another one. I yeah, mean, it's easy. They th there aren't so many Mortal Kombat characters that they have to look that far, but there's enough that they have a bag to reach from. So if I'm not mistaken, we are now joined by none other than 
David, Ultra David Graham, DPG at law, the man, the myth, the practicing law officer. No, that's not a law officer. He's a lawyer. Hey, David. he's an officer of the law. Yeah, I guess technically, no, not at all. That's not how that works. Uh, uh, yeah, I am. I am. What's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm an attorney. That's what we like to be called. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> how's, it, how's it going, David? Happy New Year. He's and there are judges, and there are some others as well, and I am the attorney kind. <laughs> um, Mr. Attorney, Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. You made, it, in the, you made it all right in the rain? Yeah, it's raining in SoCal, which is not very common, but uh, yeah, I'm here. So one of the reasons why I asked you on was specifically because an article that you posted uh, to your website, I'm going to put the link in the chat right here. Specifically, I mean, I guess we still don't really know, but you were addressing or I guess educating us on some of the issues, some of the legalities, some of the uh, uh, finer points that we should all keep in mind when it comes to this. I found it to be very enlightening. We also, here in our Best of Five chat, we're all like, this is fascinating, uh, interesting stuff. Um, I'm going to let you explain it, but basically what we're looking at here specifically, and you should check out the article, is the public performance right. Is that right? Yeah. So um, to me, one of my questions was why, and you do talk about it in the article, but why are we hearing about this now and not really in the past, do you think? Well, we have heard about it in the past. I wrote uh, an article that was published on Shoryuken in probably like 2010 or something like that forever uh -huh. ago that was about this. It's just that it rarely comes up in, a, in an important way. You know, typically the game's rights holders just allow tournaments, in fighting games anyway. That's just typically how it happens. Every once in a while, somebody shuts something down. But that's, it's pretty rare, to be honest. And, and in, the, in the modern times, um, you know, that probably happened with Marvel, I guess, in retrospect, although I don't know for certain. And that seems like maybe the reason that Dragon Ball is getting removed from tournaments, too. Those are just speculations. But, um, yeah, that, that, that's why it's coming up now. Now, didn't Nintendo also famously do this at an Evo where they didn't let Melee, uh, or they weren't going to let Melee? Yes, that is right. Yeah, in, well, what was that, 2013 when they got to Evo, I believe? Um, yeah, Nintendo at first, the day before Evo, maybe two days before, uh, announced that they would not allow it to be played at Evo. And then within just a couple of hours, they rescinded that because the internet blew up about it. And it wasn't just that the fighting game scene blew up about it. You know, it was being covered on um, a bunch of other video game related websites and even some major uh, just general news websites. Uh, so they went back on that pretty quickly. But they did at least threaten to do that. And they could have. That's their right if they want to. Certainly. So yeah. I, I wonder if it's like at that point, if you're the property holder, the rights holder to a game, um, you're like, it's obviously it's not worth it to me to get an entire community to be mad at me about this. Yeah. Um, but also they have every single right. Is, is it fair for us to be like, no, you're going to let us do it or we're going to be really mad? We don't have anything. I mean, we have no point of control. We're, we're entirely at their mercy. It's, you know, they are the feudal lords and we're just the serfs trying to make things work. Um, we are, the fact that we have basically created competitive video gaming and esports um, doesn't matter legally speaking. Uh, that's we don't gain any extra rights in playing the games because we're playing them, or because we're running tournaments for them, or because we're streaming. Um, if anything, we may be injuring their rights. We probably are injuring their rights. So that's you don't get anything extra for doing that. Um, they have, you know, copyright gives them 
a large degree of control. That, I mean, that's, it's not infinite. They don't have complete control in, in the literal sense. They have almost complete control. I mean, there are some situations where they can't control something that's educational or if it's newsworthy or if it's something that's so transformational uh, that it could be you know, maybe a fair use uh, argument. That stuff's rare. That stuff is rare. And, and I want to move to, to fair use here in a second, but like, if Danka puts out an educational tech video, does that uh, have probably more legs or to stand on than, than, than like, hey, I'm putting on a tournament and I'm paying not only entry fee, but also a uh, viewer or a crowd fee and I'm making money on this? What do you think? So money, money matters only in the sense that uh, it's only in maybe the social sense is the best way to put it. Uh, it doesn't, that doesn't make or break any kind of legal claims. In a, in a fair use argument, you do look at what the impact on the market is for whatever the product is. So in that sense, it can have an impact. But if you're not, if you're doing something for free if you're, or if you're charging, you can definitely still be violating copyright. There's no, uh, mm-hmm. either, either way. Um, it doesn't necessarily speak to it. Uh, so I, I, you know, I don't know. There's, if, if Donka were to put out tech video, uh, that doesn't it doesn't help very much because the, the the issue is not with what he does in the game. That's not the gameplay itself is not sort of the issue. The issue is that the law looks at uh, games as as literary works and as audiovisual works. So literary works like a book in the sense that it's has underlying code that's protected in a way, and then audiovisually like a movie. So like a movie is protected um, by copyright. That the movie sense is is how games are, are are protected. So what you're doing in the movie is like not super important to whether you have rights in it or not. Uh, all that matters is are you playing the movie? Can people hear the sights and sound or see and hear the sights and sounds that are in the movie uh, in some public sense, or are you reproducing those sights and sounds? It's it's a very it doesn't leave a lot of room for the um, uh, interactive nature of video games. The interactivity of it is not not very important, legally speaking. So you mentioned fair use, and um, there's like multiple um, parties that, that this could affect, right? A regular content creator, Danka, the tech maestro. He did the first Devora. He created, <laughs> he pioneered the Devora tech. I just invented the character. Yeah. <laughs> you, oh, have, you have... You have... MKX, dude, I, in, I invented that wild option select block or not. <laughs> What's up, dude? You took it from him? Okay. <laughs> um, so there's the content creator like Donka, right? There's um, there's the tournament organizer. There's also like a Panda back in the day or a Tenno that are streaming the thing. Who cares most about fair use and who can argue fair use or, or, or we all shit out of luck on that one? Yeah, it's pretty unlikely that anybody can argue fair use, I think. that's Fair use is such a small category. It's something that everybody wants to look at for help uh, in copyright disputes, but it's not built for that. It's not. It's not built to protect people who are coming up with interesting and innovative things. It, it's copyright's very much made for the people who own the rights. Uh, I mean, in in a very literal sense, like they literally wrote the laws in some cases. Um, the industry groups literally wrote the laws. So so that's not fair use is not something to be relied upon. There, there are some situations where it can come up, but again, it had the sort of if a work isn't very transformational, if you're using, if you're showing a bunch of the sights and sounds that are involved, uh, if you're having an impact on the market, 
that could be argued by the rights holder that's negative to them. I mean, there's there's not that 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 kind of stuff is is hard to argue that a tournament uh, uh, satisfies fair use with. I mean, that's and and that's for the organizer. It's the person running the game. It's the person streaming the game. Uh, I just don't think that that's a winning argument. If if there's going to be changes in that, I mean, there there are maybe more fundamental changes that need to happen. So rather than like looking at fair use, there are some more like sort of underlying attacks on just copyright in general when it comes to video games. I mentioned the fact that uh, courts don't care about the interactivity of games. Well, that decision was those decisions were made in like the early 80s, right? When in fact games just didn't have this much interactivity. Games, the entire game could be one screen and the attract screen, right? That could be the entire thing. Um, that does that decision make sense in a world like today, where games are super, super interactive and have been for a long time? Maybe not. So if if there's going to be a challenge, it has to, I think, come from that side rather than using the current law. You have to kind of just attack the law itself, uh, either through the courts or probably more likely through the legislature. So I think the question a lot of content creators or people in the community in general have stemming from all of this is that if they're doing something that's injuring these companies' rights, can they protect what they're doing themselves? Like, can a content creator come after someone who's stealing their content if the content they're making in the first place is potentially illegal? Right, right. No, that, that is a good question. And I think the answer is no. Right, that's uh, what I mean. Yeah, you do not. By infringing somebody else's works, you don't gain rights yourself. Right? That, <laughs> that makes sense, right? Like, so if so, somebody else owns the copyright in something, if you then take their work and do something with it, you don't get rights in your new whatever it is, unless it's something that's, again, makes a big difference, some real transformational kind of stuff. Um, but in a typical sense, you don't get extra rights. So, no. If somebody you know, streams without permission Street Fighter V, and then they find that somebody else has ripped their stream and uploaded it to YouTube, uh, the streamer doesn't have legal rights to shut that down, um, for, for the most part. If, so you do have rights to the non-infringing things that you, that you do. So for the portions of the stream that are just the match, um, if you don't have a license, then you don't get rights to that. But for the rest of it, you know, maybe you have shots, camera shots of the commentators. Maybe you have camera shots of the crowd. Maybe you have substantial overlays or ads or something like that. That kind of stuff you do have, you can get rights to. You probably, in most cases, should have rights to. It's just, you know, unfortunately, that stuff is, is intermixed with things that are infringing. Uh, so would a court, you know, really uh, care that you have added this other stuff in a way that would make it protectable for you? Maybe not. It, I mean, there's never been a case like that when it comes to games. Games and streaming and match videos are just too new for that. Uh, but I suspect not. I'm wondering, are there like, are people trying to figure out and push boundaries? Like, how much do they have to overlay on a Twitch stream over a game to start being considered transformational? Like, have people begun to look into that? Like, if I if I'm half the screen and half the screen's the game, am I enough? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think. I mean, I, I don't know of anybody who's been trying to do that. Nobody wants to get busted, and and copyright law is is an unforgiving area of the law to argue in court. It's really hard to get attorneys' fees. So so say that say that you you have been accused of infringement and you want to defend yourself in court. What do you get out of that? You don't get money. 
right? Yeah. Uh, you, you get, you can get into attorney's fees, although not easily, but you don't like get some monetary win other than that. Maybe you get right. your expenses repaid. So sort of why bother, right? It's, it's much easier to avoid that. It's only if you have, you know, if what you're streaming or doing is worth a ton of money on its own, the actual footage itself is worth a ton of money on its own, maybe then you get involved in this stuff, but that's never happened. Nobody in esports or video games uh, has that kind of interest. Maybe you have an interest. I mean, you know, certainly people make money, make careers out of uh, streaming or, or running tournaments or putting up match videos, but n the individual footage of one stream is not worth enough to go to court right. over. It's just, it's. I don't, I don't know if that's going to change. And you know, we could go into topics like. Uh, Ninja makes a boatload of money uh, playing Fortnite, but certainly Epic Games uh, is not going to prohibit it from doing that because it's made their game that much more popular, right? I'm curious about a couple of things. One, um, have you ever heard, I, I can't imagine you would potentially tell us what tournament or what game, but have you ever heard of a game developer charging a fee to a tournament organizer to have their game? Yes, that happens pretty regularly. Because, I mean, I've heard the opposite. It's like people are, I will pay your price, but I will give you, like, I will invest in your tournament to have you play my game as a headliner or otherwise. Where do, do those cancel each other out? Do those meet more often than I think? Or is it much more likely the fee is being requested if you're going to have, I imagine like an Evo probably has to pay um, the rights holders a fee to, to stream their game. That is, that's my understanding, although I don't have, personal knowledge of that, but that's, that's my understanding. Um, the, the games like definitely do sometimes pay people to show them. I'd say that's rare that, especially in a fighting game context, I think that's really rare. Uh, those are generally games that are smaller that are having trouble getting their own player bases or their own viewer viewership. Um, I mean, definitely the most common thing in a fighting game context is for there not to be a fee of any kind, like either way, that's, that's most common, but but sure, I mean, I've been, I've heard of rights holders asking for fees, you know, since I got into law, certainly. I mean, in the first case that I dealt with personally that had to do with that was probably in 2012. Um, that was, uh, yeah, going, going back to then, I would say. Wow. And, I, and since then, I've definitely heard of it as well, for sure. Um, I had a question just because I saw it in the article and I thought it was interesting. You're like, it might not be Bamco that has an issue with it. It's somebody in the complex relationships of Dragon Ball property owners that might have some stipulation where, hey, you can't have the tournament. We still really don't know. And that made me curious about uh, Smash Brothers, which, forget Nintendo, like there's like a million franchises in this game and all of them have their own respective property owners from Mega Man, Capcom, uh, Konami, Castlevania, and so on and so forth. Um, how do you even begin to untangle that? Or does the initial agreement that Nintendo makes allows them to make the decision? That's my guess. I don't know, of course, but if I were Nintendo, I would certainly try to get a license that allowed me to show the game. I mean, in Smash 4, they didn't have all of that. You could not show certain songs on stream. Uh, certain wind music, I think, was what it was, could not be uh, heard on stream because Nintendo didn't have the license to that. Uh, I don't know if that stuff still, that kind of restriction still exists in Smash Ultimate. I, you know, my, my guess is that Nintendo would really try to work hard to avoid that, that they would really try to work hard to get the license to show all of it uh, as much as they can. 
and and my my guess also is that they have the leverage to do that, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, Ultra by David. <laughs> what the hell was that all about, man? Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there was a Game Awards that came out, and there was uh, nominees up on Twitter, and of course our favorite FGC commentary uh, duo, uh, Ultra Chen. That's of course Ultra David and James Chen, who I believe uh, you're, whose house you're at, uh, were nominated, and then the official Twitter nominee uh, post or tweet had you as Ultra by David. Yeah. Uh, and a ton of replies to that tweet saying, hey, you guys have the wrong handle. Um, just to walk us through that, did that tickle you in any way? Or did you just... After that, that was, they didn't stop after that. Even after people said that that's not the real me, they continued to do it in a few other follow-up tweets. Uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, you know, I started to go down that rabbit hole, and there was uh, Ultra Straight David, there was Ultra Bi yeah. David, I think there was an Ultra Gay David, if I'm not mistaken. Well, and there were like ancient parody accounts. There were a bunch of parody accounts back in the day yeah, in FGC Twitter. I, there are still a couple, but like there was this whole phase that FGC went through where we had parody accounts of a ton of different people. Uh, <laughs> I, I had at least two. Um, that I mean that I controlled of parodying other people. Uh, I'm sure many other people had had a lot as well. So that that was that was really funny. Um, my favorite part of that story was uh, when they emailed us to you know make sure so they were giving us assets that we could uh, put on Twitter and on our show saying like hey we've been nominated check it out it's so cool and I wrote back saying oh this is great I really appreciate that um, very nice of you to send that to me could you please correct the name I've noticed that in this official thing <laughs> that it's James Chen and Ultra David, as you know, the official name should be Ultra by David. Uh, <laughs> they, they must have been so confused. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, I thought it was hilarious how good a sport appeared that you were being. Uh, before we let you go, I would like to talk to you about Mortal Kombat 11. Mm. Um, Mike might actually lift a finger to play this game. He's gonna, he, he, he deems it worthy. Um, I know that you have put a ton of love into the NRS community, whether it's uh, by playing the games and advocating for them, but also commentary on them. How are you feeling about Mortal Kombat 11? Well, I'm excited for it. I, I really like Injustice 2. I would love it if that game survived for another couple of years because it's one of my favorites, um, maybe ever. But yeah, MKX, uh, MK11 is coming out, and I'm sure it's going to be fun, so I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm going to be going to the reveal thing that they have on Thursday in Los Angeles, it's, uh, close by to where I live, so I might as well go. Um, I just don't know enough about the game, right? I mean, what can you say really about yeah. the game itself? Because uh, just not, almost nothing's been revealed. But uh, they have been really developing strongly. You know, basically, I'm, Mortal Kombat games, in my view, were ass until 2011. Uh, I thought none of them were good. I like occasionally rented one or, or two, and I found Infinite's day one, and I returned it. Um, but in, when MK9 came out, they started to get good. Then Injustice 1 was more balanced and deeper, I thought, than MK9. Then MKX was more balanced and deeper than MK, than uh, Injustice 1. And then Injustice 2, I thought, was the most balanced and the most interesting. Um, so I, I feel like their trend is toward really, really good, uh, growth and development in how they design their games. My, so I, I expect the gameplay is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I, I really like it myself, uh, or I expect to really like it myself. 
what I'm looking for, what I'm hoping for, is that the animations are better. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, you know, the, they've been so bad uh, <laughs> so, so consistently. Like, I feel like the people who designed the gameplay are knocking it out of the park, but that <laughs> the rest of the company is not. So uh, as long as that stuff is better, if maybe if there's a soundtrack, maybe if they provide a soundtrack this time, uh, <laughs> right? But it's really just the audiovisual stuff that I'm concerned about and that I'm most looking forward to seeing whether they've improved or not. Do you think that those games deserve it longer? I mean, you're saying you wish the Injustice would stick around longer, but it's like the community abandons them. Yeah, no, I mean... And, and Mortal Kombat 11 is not even out, and it really feels like Injustice has been abandoned for a while. Even at the Pro Series or the Pro Event, even though it was fantastic, it, the game had already lost a lot of steam. Definitely, definitely. No, it, for, for sure, it's, it's not just like a corporate overlords deciding that the next game is here. It's definitely also the community. Um, but I think that part of that is that they've grown so accustomed to having this regular schedule of every two years a new game comes out. So if what I what I also would really really love uh, is if NRS talks about the length of time that they expect to support the game. You know yeah. when, but before the uh, game was announced and there were rumors about it being announced, they said that uh, one of the rumors was that it would be supported for four years. Uh, I really hope that that's true, and I hope that it's announced rather than just finding out in the fourth year that it's going to be supported again. Like let us know immediately so that we can just have our expectations that we're gonna to continue to play this game because that's for sure the NRS scene has, has trouble uh, keeping a game going. But look, I mean, it's not, it's not just the schedule thing. As much as I like Injustice 2, the community uh, did not. And they're back to playing MKX. Like they were playing MKX yeah. the day after the Injustice Pro Series was over. David, last thing, because it just dropped 10 minutes ago. Justin Wong just announced that he's uh, a free agent and he has not re-signed with Echo Fox. Your reaction to that? I had no idea. <laughs> uh, pretty cool. Um, I mean, he's got big plans this year. Right? Like, I think he's, he's having a kid, isn't he? Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know if he's going to be traveling too much. right? If I were him, uh, I would definitely not want to travel either. And I got to think that's part of why he's putting out more video content now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Can, you know, continue, he can basically not travel if he doesn't want to. Because, uh, yeah, I would expect he's just going to be a homebody for most of the time. What do you and the boy, the man, I should say, James Chan, have on the show tonight? We're going to be chatting about uh, Coop, pre-Coop. <laughs> We're going to be talking about uh, Battle of the Strongest and how cool old games are. Um, we're going to be, uh, we got a couple of debate sections, I guess. One where we're going to chat about Justin's thing, like you guys are talking about. Uh, I don't know, a couple of other things that occurred. I feel like I put together the schedule an hour and a half ago and don't remember what it was at this point. <laughs> that was the hey. best of us. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your expertise as well as your uh, thorough explanations. Um, and shout-outs to James for uh, loaning you his gear <laughs> set up there <laughs> at uh, y'all's home studio there to be on the show. And uh, we look forward to seeing your show. Thanks again, man. Hey, um... Why don't you just have Donka talk about this? He's going to law school. Come on, buddy. Or wait, no, are you a lawyer now? Did you pass the bar? Or what? I don't. I don't remember what stage you're in. I'm. I'm literally just did my first semester. So, we're uh, we're very early and premature in that uh, educational venture. <laughs> well, man. Well, good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> so far, so good. If you're a smart guy, I guess. Hey, James. <laughs> I can see your side. Hello. How are you doing, bud? Have so, a good. Sh uh, have a good show tonight. All right, y'all. All right, we'll catch you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was a good show. Um, Shouts to David again. And, 
he said it. You need to step your game up, Mike. You're All right. legal yeah, questions and inquiries will be directed towards you, and I expect well, thorough answers. Well, that's where society's gone at this point. Rather than deferring to people who know what they're talking about, just pretend you do yourself. So <laughs> I will. I'll gladly just be the law expert for us this show. So you know what? It's happening. All right. We can do it. We can stream whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> Thank you to you everybody who watched the show. You can all stream whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> and I said to be, it. Yeah, I, I'm not a lawyer, but I play one on TV. Um, thank you to everybody uh, who watched the show. And go check out Ultra Gen. They're coming up next. 